So like I said, I met with the, uh, the woman from the newspaper this week, and she seemed, two things seemed to interest her uh, more than anything. And the, the, the first thing was the fact that at the end of every meeting, we have a time where folks can ask questions and we can have a discussion uh, about what was said, about the topic. She seemed to be interested in that. And we all know why we do that, because we all had questions that we didn't, never got good answers to for a long time. So because we know how we used to be, we want to, to help others. And none of us have it all figured out anyway, so we all still have questions. But the second thing that she seemed interested in is the fact that we don't beg people for money ever. We don't ask for money of people. We don't collect tithes. We don't teach tithing. And... Um, <clears throat> You'll never hear one of us talking about if we don't collect X amount of dollars this week, we're going to let God down and he'll be sad. She seemed interested in that. And when you say to somebody that you don't teach tithing, they look at you funny like, well, how do you ever get any money? Because that's the only way they know of that churches get money is by teaching people that they are commanded to give a certain percentage. And we haven't talked about money. I looked back, it's been a year and a half since we've talked about the concept of tithing and giving. So it, it's time to, to go over through that. Now, we have uh, a tract in the back. I have one right here. 39 reasons you should stop tithing. That's a lot. Most people have never heard of such a thing. And here's why. Tithing builds predictable income for churches. Every month, you know you're going to have X amount on utilities, X amount on mortgage, X amount on upkeep. So to have a situation where you get some money one week and you get no money the next week, and, and how are we going to plan? How are we going to pay our expenses? That makes it very easy for folks who even know that we're not under the law to still teach tithing because it makes life more predictable for the people that are running the church. Uh, there are still some good, proud tithers out there. People who, when you say, you shouldn't tithe, it's not a sign of your spiritual greatness, it's a sign of your ignorance of what God's doing today. Oh my! Angry face. I had... One preacher told me he thought a guy, he, he spent an hour teaching them you should not be tithing. This guy was such a proud tither, he said he was convinced the guy was going to punch him in the face in the parking lot. That level of anger, that level of violence, because people get very proud of their tithing. And when you say, oh, no, you shouldn't tithe, they look at you and say, well, don't you read the Bible? What do you mean? Yes, tithing is biblical. It's absolutely biblical. I, I had one person that was telling me, you know, you'd, you'd get more money in there if you teach the whole Bible. <laughs> I couldn't sleep at night, but yeah, I could get more money in here if I taught the whole Bible. Meanwhile, they're not teaching the whole Bible. But the, of course the Bible is biblical. And everybody has, it usually happens in the summertime when all the jerks are spending money on their vacations and they're not giving money to the church. Somebody's going to go to Malachi 3. Malachi 3, will a man rob God? And they say, how have we robbed thee? And tithes and offerings, bring the tithes into the storehouse. And you've been holding back on God, and you haven't been bringing your tithes into the church building. And God's going to curse you. That's perfectly biblical. It's not rightly divided, though. Can you be put under a curse if Christ has already been made a curse for you? And God's forgiven you all your trespasses. You can't be cursed. But you'll have preachers stand in a pulpit and threaten a curse of God on you over money. So, yes, tithing is biblical. And it's commanded... To be observed. What else do we know about tithing? 
in the Bible. Turn over to 2 Corinthians 9, please. Second Corinthians nine seven. Second Corinthians nine seven. It says, now you get the, the verse 6, He which soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly and bountifully. But look at verse 7. Every man as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver. Necessity. Commandment. Not grudgingly, not because you have to. This verse prohibits... Tithing. If it's commanded, if it's not of your heart, if it's not the amount or the way you decide to give, but it's according to the letter of the law, that's necessity. So I've got Bible verses where tithing, yes, it's biblical, yes, it's a command, and you have to observe it, or you're not, cur- or you're going to be cursed of God. I've got a Bible verse here that says tithing. Is prohibited. What do we do? We've got opposing Bible verses. What do most people do? Let's go with the one that brings in the cash. Like I said, we've got a tract here. 39 reasons you should stop tithing. Guess what? Each one of the 39 reasons, drumroll please, is biblical. And we could do the opposite. We could go back to Israel's Old Testament law and we could make a tract 39 reasons why Old Testament Israel is commanded to tithe. We can't do it all, though, can we? We can't do, yes, it's commanded to be observed and no, it's prohibited. We can't do both. So we can't do the whole Bible. How idiotic is it for me to stand up here and speak against tithing? I mean, here we are, we're trying to scratch our way. Not many people, not much money. And I'm standing up here saying, yep, the only way you've ever known how to give money to the church, don't do that anymore. Yeah, that's practically speaking, yes, I'm an idiot. But I can sleep at night. I know in my conscience I'm teaching the truth from the Bible rightly divided. I have not lied to people from a pulpit in order to separate them from their money. What a concept. It's not difficult to show people. If somebody's open, if somebody is open to learn, it's not difficult to show them they should not be under a tithe. You just, Romans, um, Romans 6. Look at Romans 6. I think, is that on our offering box back there? Romans 6.14? Yes. Romans 6.14 For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Guess where you find the tithe? In the law. And it's not just 10%, folks. There's multiple 10% tithes in Israel's law. There's a tithe... In Israel's law, you'll never hear this one taught. Where you get to take it and spend it on whatever thy soul lusteth after. You ever heard that one taught in a pulpit before? So it's not just 10%, but it is the law. You're not under the law. And you can show people this and they can get it. And a lot of people love it first. Because, hey... 
I've done getting beat over the head for money. I've had it. I've been in church 30 years. I've heard them crying for money every week for 30 years. Tithes, love offerings for brother so-and-so, free will offerings for this. Oh, we're not going to be able to keep the lights on unless you give a special offering for that. People are sick of it. So you can show them, you can take them over to Leviticus and show them, hey, did you know tithes weren't money? Most of the time they were food and they were only given by landowners who had an increase, who had a profit that year. Did you know that? Did you know it wasn't 10% from everybody across the board? And people were like, I've been lied to. Yes, you have. You've been lied to. You can show people that and immediately... This is you. Now, this is I came from the Baptist tradition, so that's what I know the best. The Baptists, on one hand, teach you you're not under the law; you're under grace. Romans six fourteen. On the other hand, they teach you you better bring your tithes in. So, what do they do? Has anybody ever heard of Melchizedek, king of Salem? Abraham paid a tithe to Melchizedek, and it happened. See, because you show them. In your timeline, if we're drawing our timeline, we know the Old Testament doesn't start until Exodus 19. And that's when the tithes start to appear. The dirty little secret, too, that nobody likes to admit about Jesus when he's talking to the little flock going through the tribulation was Jesus demanded a 100% tithe. Remember, sell all that you have, give it to the poor, follow me. People say, oh, he was just trying to make them willing to get rid of all their stuff. No, he told them to sell all their stuff and follow me. And what do they do in Acts 3? Acts 2, Acts 3. They all became communists. They all sold all their stuff and brought it to the church and they had everything in common. But you show them, back to what I was saying, you show them the multiple 10% tithes. And you say, well, that's the law. You're not under the law. You're under grace out here with Paul. They'll say, aha, but what about Abe and Mel before the law shows up? You have Abraham before the law paying a tithe to Melchizedek. And Melchizedek was the priest. And I am this holy desk, this righteous pulpit, and now you're priest before God, and we're not under the law, but you should pay me a 10% tithe. Because if it was good enough for Abraham, isn't it good enough for you? Are you greater than Abraham? Here's what you don't know about Abraham. And this is, this is how crooked people are to make sure you are bringing a steady amount of money in. Abraham paid Melchizedek 10%. One time in all of history. No one is ever commanded to follow Abraham and Melchizedek's pattern. Ever. What did he tithe? His weekly paycheck? They had a battle. They had a violent conflict. Abraham won, took back the spoils. The spoils of war gave Melchizedek 10% of the spoils of war of a battle one time in history, and from that, pulpits across America teach, you owe me 10% of every paycheck that you ever get in perpetuity forever because of that one thing that happened one time all throughout history. That's how badly they want to separate you from your dollars. Now, I say it that way, and it sounds awful. Another man can come up here and argue for it and make it sound beautiful. Who are you going to believe? The one you heard last? The one that uh, you like? Or the one that saves you money, maybe? How about the one who's got God's word rightly divided, whoever that is? That's the one you should listen to. Tithing today is presented as timeless. From pulpits. Everybody all throughout history has tithed, has given money according to this 10%. Did you know that tithing was not taught 
widely in America until the late 19th century. That's relatively recently, where you didn't have pulpits going up there and teaching tithing all over the place. I don't know how your mind works, but my mind says, why is that? Why would tithing not be taught in America? Our, our country was full of Bible influence from the time of its founding. Why would it not, until people had been in America for 300 years almost, teach tithing from pulpits? Well, the dirty little secret is the town church used to be funded by the taxpayers. Same way we have our community centers and, and things like that. Well, the, the town had the church and everybody just had a, a portion that they were taxed to pay for the church and pay for the minister's salary. So it wasn't until that funding stream dried up. Well, what are the preachers in the churches going to do for their money now? Hmm. Malachi 3 this week. <laughs> Genesis 14 this week. We got to find a way to get some money rolling in. Here's what I think. If something cannot generate enough income to keep itself going, that something should disappear. Isn't it like that with everything else on this planet? Nobody goes to that restaurant anymore. Well, I think it was Yogi Berra, his, one of his funny quotes. Nobody goes to that restaurant anymore. It's too crowded. <laughs> but <laughs> nobody goes to whatever business anymore. What happens? Closed. Closed for business. That's what I told the, the woman this week. If it doesn't work out, we're going to be out on our ear and closed down. And that's the way it should be. But churches don't do that. A tithe is not optional. A tithe is a command that has to be followed. That's how you know 2 Corinthians 9-7 prohibits tithing. Because it says you get to decide out of the purpose of your own heart how much. And I always, I always make the joke, don't feel limited by this ceiling over your head that you can only give 10%. You're free from that bondage. You can give 25 or 30. All right. You're not under the law. A tithe is absolutely necessary. Think of your income taxes. Yes, Mr. IRS man. Yes, I understand. I, I did not pay. Yes. I did not purpose in my heart to pay 20% this year, Mr. IRS man. I'm not under the law. I purposed in my heart to only give 10. So that's what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Oh, the police are on their way to my house right now. How'd that work out for you? It's a tithe is a tax. You have to pay it or you go to jail. Every man as he purposeth in his own, in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Now, nature abhors a vacuum. So do we. When we take away a doctrine from somebody that they've always known, that they've always believed, that they have always just known as right, and only the good, righteous Christians are tithing every week and giving 10% off the gross, not the net. Well, you don't give God what's left over after the government takes money from you. You give to God from what you earned. Amen? Amen? When you take away something, you have to replace it. People are under the impression that they have a covenant relationship with God. That somehow, if I give money, God is going to give me material blessings. They get that from the places you see the tithe taught in Israel's law. You do not have a covenant relationship with God. You are not made nigh to God, Ephesians 2, by how much money you give. You're not made nigh to God by joining up with Israel's covenants or following the law or any good thing you've ever done in your life. You are made nigh to God by the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ is not in your wallet. It's not in your bank account. Newsflash. That's how you're made nigh to God. So we don't have a covenant relationship with God. And you take away, people tell stories. People love to tell stories. 
I stepped out by faith and I gave $100 when I didn't have $100. And wouldn't you know it, three days later, my tax return came back. And it was 200 more than I thought it was going to be. People love to tell stories like this. Well, guess what? You gave the $100 because you knew you had your tax return coming. And the fact that you got 200 more just means you're bad at math. You didn't do it right. But people love to tell these stories. Pat Robertson, as far as I know, it's still on his website. He had a book out talking about secrets of the kingdom and the law of reciprocity, where if you give a hundred, God will give you a hundredfold from that. If you give this, God will give you a hundredfold. Do you know he proves he's a liar by selling? Here's how you know he's a liar. Pat Robertson's on TV selling junk, begging for money every single broadcast. If his law of reciprocity worked, all he would have to do would be write a check to somebody for $1 million. He would get back $100 million, and then he could do 30 minutes of programming rather than 10 minutes of programming with 20 minutes of begging for money. So he doesn't even believe the junk he's selling. You're not supposed to talk this plainly in pulpits, are you? <laughs> Oops. Didn't get the memo. Gainsayers is what the Bible calls those guys. Saying stuff to get money out of it. Gainsaying. Wrongly combining, twisting God's word to separate you from your money. You know what the majority of folks do when you tell them to stop typing? They stop giving anything completely. They go from $72.30 to zero. And I don't blame them in a lot of ways. I don't blame them. You've been lied to. You find out you've been lied to, mistreated, abused, manipulated for money for how many years you've been in church. Yeah, I think I'll dial it back to zero. Because you're angry, you're mad. Plus, they don't know how to give Without the tithe. How do I give without you? Tithe? I don't know. They hated the guilt trip. I did. You see the preacher roll into the parking lot with his assigned space reserved for the man of the cloth in his Cadillac that you bought for him while you're rolling in in your 15-year-old rusty Honda Accord, and then he's going to guilt trip you about giving more money for an hour. Yeah, you're angry about that. You're sick of that. Plus, the tithers, tithers aren't much better. They're being lied to from the pulpit, but the people who are so proud and claim they're tithing 10%, they're lying too. The When you look at the surveys and the actual amounts that the 10% tithing people actually give, it's really around 2 to 2.5%. Two so they're getting lied to, and they're lying right back. That's why some churches require you to bring your tax forms in and submit them to the elders. You never heard that? Yeah. Well, they don't want you bringing a curse in on their assembly if you're going to be lying and robbing God. We can't have that. If you're not going to give your qualified 10%, we need to boot you out of here. You could take your curse elsewhere. Meanwhile, what about that whole God dying for your sins, the omnipotent God of the universe shedding his blood as a curse for you? Oops. Forgot to teach that, didn't we? So the people, they're angry. Now you've set them free. They don't have to listen to the liar anymore. They don't have to lie back to the liar anymore. So they've got this liberty. And what do they do with this liberty and grace? Most of the time, sad to say, people take their liberty and grace and say, that's great. I'm going to suck everything I can out of these wonderful people who have set me free and given me liberty and grace. I've seen it. I'm not saying I've seen it in you. I was at another 
place before, and I have gotten around some. But people, when you tell them to stop tithing, they go back, they go down to zero. They go down to zero dollars a month. Can I make an admission? This guy did that. I did it. I'll own it. Once I learned a little bit more about grace, it's like, wait a minute. I can give, and I can give what I want, and nobody can tell me what to do. And I did it once. I'm like, this is kind of fun. I, I like this. But, you know, we are we are selfish by nature. Back when we were tithers, we lied. We gave 2.5%, and we told them it was 10 And we want to enjoy some freedom. We're, we're glad we don't have the guilt trip anymore. Moaning and cajoling us. To separate, I've seen it done so many different ways, folks. I'm sure you all have too, being in church. It usually happens right after they've whipped you into an emotional frenzy at the end of the singing service where everybody's crying about how much God loves them and how wonderful they are. And Ladies and gentlemen, we know that God loves us. And as the ushers come forward, we think and we reflect on how deep the Father's love for us is what He's done for us. And now we need to ask ourselves, what can we do for God? What can we do to support God's mission people? And He starts to cry. Oh, Father! And He starts to pray about all the needs that the church has. And oh, Father, if You would just unload a blessing of cash so we can do these things... See, I could do it if I was a liar. I could get away with it. But we've all seen that. Oh. I remember one time back when my wife was dragging me to church and I didn't want to go anywhere. I'd go somewhere once a month to, to shut her up. Leave her speechless. And I saw that and I looked over at her and I'm like, we're out of here. <laughs> I just I was done with it. So yes, we're selfish. And yes, we've been manipulated and lied to. So there's abuse going both ways. We're lying, they're lying, everybody's lying. We can all admit that. And we don't know how to give after tithing. It's kind of like prayer. When you learn about prayer under grace, you don't know how. There's no carrot. There's no stick anymore. God's not going to beat me up for not giving. He's not going to give me bucket loads of blessings for giving. So how do I give without you, O tithe? There was here, here's how you remember this. I think it was Celine Dion. Remember in the '90s that song, "How Do I Live Without You?" I want to know. That poor woman had to escape to Canada for ten years. They overplayed her song so much. How do I live without you? How do I give without you? How do I give without a tithe? I want to know. Some folks aren't ready to ask that question yet. They're still healing the wounds of the lie. Some folks are ready. How do I give without a tithe? You know, it's, it is disgusting what money is spent on in churches. 80% of the money given to churches just goes to propagate the church machine. It never leaves the building. It never goes out and helps anybody. It's to pay salaries of these people and salaries of that people and upkeep and new carpet and, you know, all the... It just goes to propagate the machine. I, I'd look... You fly into Akron Canton Airport. You will see almost every day there is a big, beautiful white 747 sitting out on the tarmac. That 747 is not owned by some CEO. It's not owned by a company. It's owned by Ernest Angley Ministries. Their own 747. That's not a small plane. That's not a cheap plane. But Ernest Angley Ministries must have that 747. How many widows' houses were plundered to pay for that? So yeah, it's disgusting. How do I give without a tithe? You give the same way you did before. The same reason. For the tax deduction. 
That's why everybody gives. That's one reason. That's why churches are so protective of their tax-deductible status. <laughs> I'm kidding, the tax deduction. As you purpose in your heart, look at your checkbook as a heartometer. You can go look at somebody's checkbook. What do they care about? What do they spend money on? You spend money on things you want, things you care about. He wants to stay alive. He buys a lot of food. He wants to stay sheltered. He spends a lot of money on shelter. If you look at mine, you'll say, wow, he really loves his kids. They are expensive. But just as you purpose in your heart, what does your heart desire to support? We do this in every other transaction in life. Why do we spend money on something? Because we think it's worth it. Why did you get the new Samsung Galaxy S whatever? Because you thought it was worth it. You said, I'm willing to separate myself from these dollars to get that for what it will do for me in the sense of a phone. But you think about any of your other charitable good giving. Why did you watch the sob story with the woman singing about the dogs on the commercial and send money to the dog people? Because you thought it was worthy of your money. Did you give money to the dog people thinking, if I give money to the dog people, God's going to miracle the most wonderful puppy out of the sky and give it to me for free? You didn't think that. You thought, hey, that's a worthy cause. I want to support that. That's your heart saying, that's worth money. I want to support. That's, there's no magic to it. How do I give without a tithe? The same way you do everything else in your life. Then you turn on the TCT channel. Oh, if you would just be a partner with us in this ministry and you sow that $100 seed today, why God is going to unleash the Holy Ghost bulldozer of blessings and bucket load bulldozer blessings all over you. Thousands of dollars will come upon you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Did I get that about right? And you wrote him a check. It's okay if you did. Everybody's been lied to. Everybody's been tricked. But you're going to show up at the judgment seat of Christ one day if you're saved. And you're going to have to give an account. And your work's going to be sorted out, not based on your how zealous you were, how much you thought you were right, or how much you believed the liar. It's going to be based on what sort of work. And the fact that you were greedy, you wrote that guy a $100 check because he said you'd get thousands back, that's going to burn up. That was a dumb thing you did. That's a work that's going to burn up. Wood, hay, and stubble, right? Live and learn. What about gold, silver, precious stones? Gold, silver, precious stones is when we support things that are from our Bible, rightly divided, according to what God's doing today, according to God's will, God's way. Not by a tithe, not by a grudge, not by a necessity, but by our own choice. So how do I give without a tithe? Number one rule. Do not give money ever to people who are begging for it from you. From a church. That's harsh. We have a pattern. Our Apostle Paul says he's our pattern. Look at 1 Timothy 1. First Timothy 1.16 Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Christ Jesus might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Oh, Paul's the pattern? Not Jesus in the red letters? Who knows that? You do. <laughs> okay. Good for you. Paul's the pattern. Did you know the Apostle Paul never asked anyone to give him money to do his own ministry work? He never said, Oh, Thessalonians. Oh, 
if you would just give me some gold, why, I could go over to the regions of Achaia. But if I don't... No, Paul never did that. He never asked money for his, to do his own ministry work. Yes, he asked people, hey, do you want to put an offering in for these poor people over here? I'm going there. Do you want to give anything to him? Yes, he would say that, but he never said, I need money to do my own ministry from you. He's our pattern, isn't he? So should I be standing here asking or begging anybody for money? If I don't get enough for ministry and I can't afford it, bye-bye. That's how it should work. Romans 15, that's where uh, you can see Paul taking free will gifts to some poor folks in another area. Free will gifts, not guilt-tripped offerings. Paul did his best not to suck anything financially out of people. Look at 2 Corinthians 12. Second Corinthians twelve fourteen. Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you, for I seek not yours but you. For the children ought to lay up for the parents, not the parents for the children, and I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. How many messages have you ever heard from a pulpit where a preacher says anything close to that. I don't want to be a burden to you. I'll spend and be spent for you. Oh, that doesn't pay well. We can't teach that. We need to avoid 2 Corinthians 12 like the plague. Hmm. I will always, 100% of the time, refuse a tithe check if somebody wanted to give it to our assembly. That's why there's the stop sign on the offering box back there. Stop. No tithing allowed. Here's a check for $72.16. Does anybody just come up with that number out of the purpose of their own heart? I thought about it. I think $72.16. No. If you're giving freely in liberty, $70. Bucks, $80. Bucks, something like that. So I will always refuse that. But if somebody purposes in their own heart and says, this place is worthy of my attention, worthy of my support, and I want to give it, I will always accept that. I'd be denying that. If I didn't accept it, I would be denying them their liberty to give according to as they want to out of the purpose of their own heart. No, I can't take that. Look at, the, uh, look at Philippians 4. Philippians 4. Everybody knows Philippians 4.13, the Tim Tebow verse. I can do all things through Christ except be an NFL quarterback today. Hmm. That didn't work out well, did it? You know, the all things in Philippians 4.13 is not about being NFL quarterback. It says right in the verses before, it's about I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Oh, we wouldn't want context to come in. That's so boring. <clears throat> but look at uh, Philippians 4.14. Paul's giving the, the Philippians uh, a compliment. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound, and I'm full. So he's doing well there. But you have Paul. He's needy over there. He's having a hard time. These Philippians say, hey, I heard Paul's having a hard time over there. Let's give him some stuff to help him through this. Let's give him some money. And Paul said, yep, thank you very much. I will accept your help. So he doesn't beg for money, but he's not so arrogant and so prideful that he can't say, no, I don't want any of your help. That's way different than the pattern we see in churches in America. We have money, our little assembly, we have money in our bank account today. We have It's waiting for the bills to roll in. We've got our utility bills and our expenses coming in. We have money 
Because people figured out how to give without you, tithe. They figured that out. People from New York, Pennsylvania, down in the almost Kentucky armpit of Ohio down there, people have sent us money to support us. So I've never met. Why? I never asked for it. I never told them they had to tithe to me. They looked at that and they said, I purpose in my own heart that what they're doing there is worthy of my support. They're doing God's will. I want to support them doing God's will. They will send a check to my P.O. box. That's why. It's, it's not magic. It's not some Holy Ghost goosebump where, oh, the Lord's telling me to find this place out in Ohio. And give it's not that. She so said, those people are they are preaching God's word. They're preaching it rightly divided. They're following their pattern of Paul. And they're trying to scratch out an assembly. I want to help them. It's that simple. It's so simple. Only having a lifetime of bad doctrine taught to you about money and giving can make it seem hard. Because everything else in life, like I said, it's, it's simple. I want that. I give my money for it. Or I want to help that person. I give money or time to help that person. They thought it was worth it. They didn't do it because they were trying to avoid a bad consequence from God or gain God's favor. That's a covenant relationship like Israel. People preach Malachi 3 as a curse. What do you do with Ephesians 1.3 then? You have all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Unless you don't give money. You're cursed from God or wait, you're not because Christ was. Do you see the confusion? We wonder why people show up in these doors confused. Romans 5.1 says, I have peace with God and it's not by how much money I gave. They gave it because they wanted to. They purposed in their own heart. The same reason we give what we give here. Why do we spend money on battery backups for exit lights? Because I got a a message from the Lord. No, because we need it. We want to support what we're doing here. Why do people show up here and get on their hands and knees and pull weeds when nobody is here looking or saying thank you about it? Because they thought it was worth it. They thought it was necessary. They wanted to support it. They thought it was worth their time or energy. And you know what? Time time is more valuable in many ways than money is. Because you can write a check pretty fast for a lot of things. But to get somebody to show up and I'm going to invest an hour, two, three in something, that's a lot harder. They identified a worthy cause. To plant their effort and their care and or money into it. How do I give without tithing? One of the other things you need to know is you are commanded to provide for your own household first. You'll never hear that taught in a church. First Timothy 5.8 says, if a man won't provide for his own house, he's what? Worse than an infidel. Notice, too, be very specific on the language. It's not that if a man can't provide for his own house, it's if a man won't. That means you take care of home, make sure everything's paid for and taken care of in your home before you ever separate yourself from a dollar to give to the preacher. You'll never hear that one taught, I promise. That's biblical. And it's not only biblical, it's according to God's word, rightly divided. Take care of your own house. Then, out of the extra of that, that's how you give. And I know, I understand, we waste money on a lot of things. I have no money to give. But you've got a 65-inch screen TV. (laughs) You're paying $400 a month for the most premium cable package. Let's talk about your priorities, buddy. (laughs) I understand we waste money. But, yeah, you take care of your own household first. 
I couldn't find any verses that said we should provide a Gulfstream 5 for televangelists. I looked, couldn't find one. Too bad. We don't give to earn physical blessings here. We, we have all of our spiritual blessings in heavenly places already. Why do we support people who are preaching God's Word, who are ministering the Gospel of the grace of God, who are trying to see souls saved and saints edified? Why do we do that? We do it because we want to help other people have spiritual blessings in heavenly places. It's not about some return here in this life. It's about... I'm going to support that guy. He's preaching the gospel. When I get upstairs, I'm going to run into people who were saved because of that man's ministry over there, saved from death into life, and are now in eternity with Christ forever because of that. And I helped him. That's why. It's not, like I said, magic. And everything costs money. There's bills. Everything, you know, lights, electricity. It all costs money. It needs to be paid for. God's not promising anybody today that He's going to rain money down out of heaven on people. So don't give money to people who are begging for it. Don't give according to a covenant thinking you're going to get back physical blessings. How do you give without a tithe? You give to people who are doing the will of God. I just said it, 1 Timothy 2, 2 and 3. The will of God is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. You give money towards that. Me pouring a bunch of money into a Christ-denying religion who opposes the gospel of the grace of God and teaches works for salvation, will that net me any gain at the judgment seat of Christ? No! But I really like them and they seem nice. You gave money against to somebody who's going against the will of God. Somebody is denying the cross as sufficient payment for salvation. That's not the will of God. So yeah, don't give money to that. Give according to the will of God. How do you give without a tithe? Your giving should be as follows. What's my motivation? Soul saved. Saints edified. Edified saints being thankful. I'm going to go back to a shampoo bottle illustration here. What's my motivation for giving if I'm following the Pauline pattern according to God's will? Soul saved, saints edified, edified people being thankful. That's so simple, right? Well, guess what happens when you have souls saved? Those saved souls become edified saints. Those edified saints learn to be thankful and have a heart of thanksgiving. The cycle repeats. You've seen it on your shampoo bottle. Wash, rinse, repeat. Wash, rinse, repeat. If you followed that all day, you'd never get out of the shower. Save souls becoming edified and then being thankful want to give out of the purpose of their own heart to see somebody else be saved and be edified. And it repeats. That's where you get Ephesians 4. The whole body of Christ supplying the part that each other parts need. We are a body. That's not very fun or exciting. He didn't say anything about $6,000 coming to me from God. Oh. How about it's eternal? You'll get to enjoy the fruit of that work for all eternity and see souls in heavenly places for all eternity that were saved and edified because you helped in some way. You can even save anybody. You writing a check doesn't save anybody. The gospel of Christ saves people. But I'd say that's a pretty good deal. I give some of this dirt. 
I can't take any of it with me. Anyway, I give some of it to help some, and I get an eternal reward out of that. It's not flashy. It's not going to sell on TCT. It's something I want to sign up for. Remember, too, we're judged at the judgment seat of Christ based on the sort of work we do, not the amount. You will not be judged based on how big a pile of checks you have. You will not be judged on how much you gave compared to the next guy. It's not about that. It's about the sort. Did you give it freely to support something that is trying to accomplish God's will out of the purpose of your own heart? That's what's judged. If that amount is a dollar or a million dollars is irrelevant at the judgment seat of Christ. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse um, 13. 1 Corinthians 3.13 Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Not how big of a pile. So how do I give without a tithe? Like I said, I know I'm, I'm being repetitive. That's on purpose. I'm teaching something that is so radically different than anybody's ever heard, and I don't know who's watching this on the Internet. You give, you look at your time and your energy and your money as a temporal tool. I've got a vapor of life here. I've just got a quick moment, is how the Bible describes our lives. What out of these resources, you know, I need this much to stay alive, I need this much to keep my home. I need this much to do this. What do I have left of my time and my money that I can invest in an eternal process? That's how you look at your money. That's how you look at your giving. It's nothing, nothing about trying to avoid a curse from God or trying to earn some kind of carnal blessing from God. It's got nothing to do with that. You're saved. You're sealed. You're in heavenly places as good as having the door shut. That's all it is. It's just, how can I help? We see it all the time. You see it in your job. Somebody's struggling. Ted, you were talking about it. When you needed help, everybody came to rush over to help you, right? <laughs> no. But wouldn't it have been nice if, if there was one guy that said, hey, how can I help? That's all giving is. That's all it is in church. How can I help? I can do this. Well, I can't do that because I don't have that, but I have this. Can you need some help? That's all it is. Some people have more money than time. Some people have more time than money. We all can help. We're a body. Whether it be this assembly here or other assemblies across the nation that are preaching the same grace message, we can help. We can help each other. The place in Indiana sent me a bunch of free stuff. Do you know why? How can I help? I want to help. That's why. That's all I have today. I think we have a commenter already. Is that a hand I saw go up there? You have a commenter? Yeah, go ahead. 